From the headquarters of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette in downtown Little Rock, this is Capital and Scott. I'm your host, Laura Farrar. Since the pandemic began in March 2020, thousands of people in Arkansas experienced food insecurity as businesses closed overnight and work vanished for months. Food banks across the state reported record numbers of individuals and families showing up for groceries. Managers of some of the organizations said the need for food programs was greater during COVID-19 than during the financial crisis in 2008. On today's show, I speak with Kathy Webb, the CEO of Arkansas Hunger Relief Alliance, about what COVID revealed about food scarcity in Arkansas and how inflation and other ongoing economic challenges are still leaving thousands without enough to eat. All right, so thank you, Kathy Webb, who is the CEO of the Arkansas Hunger Relief Alliance, for joining us today on the show. So first of all, for people who are not familiar with the Arkansas Hunger Relief Alliance, just generally speaking, what's a little bit of the background of of how the organization works? Well, thank you, Laura, for having us. The Arkansas Hunger Relief Alliance is the statewide umbrella organization for the six Feeding America food banks and about 500 pantries, other nonprofits, and individuals. And we tackle hunger in a variety of ways doing everything from sourcing food for food banks to the No Kid Hungry campaign to SNAP outreach and advocacy programs and much more. Got it. So you all uh, work with uh, the 500 food banks within Arkansas, correct? That's right. There are six Feeding America food banks and they're all board members and were among the founders of the alliance almost uh, 20 years ago. Got it. And so these organizations or the food banks would come to you in terms of coordinating on trying to get food, donations, uh, help with certain programs. How exactly does the the coordination work? Well, a a lot of the food banks have their own uh, food sourcing people as they've gotten, had more demand over the years. But we also have a food sourcing department. And one of the things we try to do is coordinate bulk purchases. Uh, We coordinate a produce program that the state helps us with. And during the pandemic, we were able to go for CARES Act funding and for community development block grant funding. And then what we would do is we would divide that funding up based on the size of the food bank area and how much food they distribute. And then we would purchase the food and send it to the food banks for them to distribute to all of their food pantries. Sure. So the reason why I wanted to have you on Capital and Scott this week is that, uh, you know, the pandemic, especially in the beginning, I think we saw some of the most food insecurity possibly, I don't know, in recent history in the United States. And I was just thinking, I was listening to a, a show on uh, National Public Radio that was touched upon what was going on with inflation and food insecurity. And I thought, well, you know, th- let's see what's going on in Arkansas, given sort of what's happened the past couple of years. What happened during the pandemic, which I know it's a big question, but how did how did that change the game for you all here? It changed everything dramatically and overnight. And I can hardly even compare it to the recession 
because the recession in 2007, 2008, that's when we saw the greatest increase in food insecurity previously, or at least in my tenure at the Hunger Relief Alliance as both a volunteer and then as CEO. But when the pandemic began, as I said, everything changed overnight because we suddenly saw millions of people in the country laid off at the same time. We saw every anti-hunger organization competing against each other to purchase truckloads of food. And we saw schools closed down, which meant how do we get food to kids who rely on school meals? So all of those things happened virtually overnight. And I think that anti-hunger organizations and school nutrition directors showed their commitment to feeding people in need with the nimble response that everybody had to making sure families and kids got fed. For example, you know, pantries used to be open. People would come in. In some pantries, people would be able to choose the type of food that they get. But suddenly everything went to driving your car up into a parking lot and having someone load a box of food in your trunk or the back of your SUV. School meals were suddenly delivered to children either along the bus route or through libraries or other nonprofits. And then as USDA partnered with the State Departments of Education, people were able to pick up. Uh, or have delivered several meals at a time. So overnight, you saw this massive shift in the way that everybody in the anti-hunger space worked. Sure. And I think um, if people will remember, there were images coming out from across the country, particularly in bigger cities, maybe like Los Angeles, of just hundreds of cars waiting in line to get food. And my understanding is that during the pandemic, the face of hunger changed a little bit more to kind of skewing up towards lower middle to middle class people who maybe had never experienced food insecurity before who suddenly had to find these resources and seek them out. Do you think that's still the case today? Or I don't know, you know, that sort of the trajectory of this crisis and how it sort of panned out and whether these programs that were put in place during the pandemic that did help alleviate it to an extent are still around today and how, you know, your organization is is faring after all all of this happened. You raised some very important points uh, and also a lot of questions because try to make sure I cover all these. But uh, one point that is very important for people to remember is that the government response to the pandemic in my opinion, was much stronger than the government response in the recession. Uh, In the recession, we had some, we had, we saw an increase in SNAP benefits, and that's the single most important anti-poverty, anti-hunger program that there is. Not as visible as what we see in lines at food banks and pantries, but incredibly important. Two things that were different were, first of all, during the pandemic, we continued to have bills that Congress passed that included food relief in those bills. So we had a lot more food that was available for a longer period of time. That was very important. Helped families, many of whom, as you said, were accessing the Charitable Food Network for the first time. Second point, SNAP benefits were raised 
temporarily as they were during the recession. But then the Biden administration put in a permanent increase of SNAP benefits, and that cannot be underestimated, the importance of that. And the approximately 300,000 or so Arkansans who use SNAP benefits on a regular basis. So all of those things were very important. And then as we have seen the government response taper off in terms of the amount of food that has been available through these COVID relief bills, we are seeing the amount of donated food to the food banks decrease, yet we are seeing more people, even people who didn't use the charitable food network early on in the pandemic, who are now using it. So we continue to see a lot of first-time users, either people who are from families who have two people working or one person working, another person taking care of kids, many cases two people working and taking care of children, but not being able to make ends meet. So donations of food way down right now, demand not down. Why do you think you're still seeing so many first time users of the this uh, system? And, and I'm gonna put that in the context of the fact that we're hearing about a lot of job openings, uh, you know, it's kind of an employee market right now. And, you know, people are, the, they're calling the great resignation. There seems to be a lot of employment opportunities. So I think there's a disconnect maybe in the public's mind of, well, there's a lot of jobs, it seems. Why do people still need assistance? If you look at certain Arkansas counties, you can see that the, the unemployment rates are really low. There may be job opportunities, but there aren't many people out there looking for jobs. People have jobs, but the people who have jobs are not able to make ends meet with the jobs that they have. And I think some of that talk about the great resignation, we're we're not talking about that as much as we were. And I think in an article I read recently, I think a lot of the folks Uh, As we dig into that more, were people who were maybe older people and who decided, okay, it's time to retire. But I think people have gone back to work. There are more jobs out there than there are people to fill those jobs, maybe. Sure. There's also obviously the issue of inflation. You know, we've heard about the increases in meat prices throughout the pandemic. Uh, food prices are have been going up. Gas prices with what's going on with overseas conflicts right now. Do you think that's a, a driving factor as well that people are sort of taking for granted its impact? Well, I, I think people are just having a hard time making ends meet. And I know when I go to the grocery store, I see that things cost more than they did last month or the or the month before. And for people who are already on a tight budget, it's just hard to it's hard to make it. And unfortunately, sometimes the food that is healthier often costs more than other food. And people want to do the right thing for themselves and their families. But it's it's hard to afford uh, it's hard to afford that food. So we just continue to see these first time users. And, and I will say that we work very closely with organizations like UAMS to make sure that the food we buy is as nutritious as possible 
and, and I think we've done a good job with that, but it's not easy out there. Uh, in terms of protein, one of the places we were able to get food during the pandemic is through community development block grant funding. And we set aside almost half of that funding, which was almost $2 million to purchase protein. And it, there were so many partners involved because we worked to get a bill passed in the legislature. And we're actually, we buy cows every month and we have those cows processed in Arkansas uh, at a local USDA certified processing plant. And then we have ground beef that's available. Uh, but that's something, a program we've had for a long time, but we were able to ramp it up a notch with the money available through CDBG funding. We'll be right back with more Capital and Scott. Hi, this is Laura Farrar. The stories we dive into on Capitol and Scott are just a fraction of the reporting the Democrat Gazette brings to readers every day. If you'd like to support our commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras like this podcast, all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to Capital and Scott. I was reading, uh, doing some research before getting on the phone with you. Uh, a lot of retailers, in particular grocery store chains, despite inflation rising food prices, have had sort of record profits um, over the past, I don't know, couple of quarters, I suppose. I know that food deserts, um, it's something you're very interested in, passionate about. It also seems like some of these chains are kind of taking advantage of the situation to a degree, while you know the average American consumer is being more and more squeezed. Uh, what do you see going on just in terms of grocery stores out in Arkansas, rising prices, and also the fact that some retailers have shifted strategies or closing down in more rural areas? How does this fit into the overall picture? I've been interested in this issue for about 15 years now and um, have looked at what other cities and states have done around the country in terms of policy decisions and in terms of legislative decisions. And it's one of the things that I've never felt like I've tackled very successfully because we have fewer grocery stores in Arkansas today than we did in the late 1990s. That's a big problem. We've got counties that have no grocery stores. We've got areas in Little Rock and in other urban areas that have no grocery stores. And I used to think that maybe there was one answer uh, and, and we could solve this with one answer. But as we've learned during the pandemic in terms of summer meals for kids and school meals for kids, it's not A or B, it's A and B. And in terms of food deserts, it could be A and B and C. So 
I'm really grateful to Governor Hutchinson because I asked him to appoint a task force to look at food deserts and to give us a, a, a small amount of funding so we could make sure we had the right data that we needed to write a report for him and the legislature. And the governor agreed and is getting ready to appoint that task force. I've been having calls with groups all over the country, literally, to talk about what they've done in Mississippi. What have they done in Philadelphia? What have they done in Alabama? And I'm really excited because I think this is a huge opportunity for us to have a conversation, to have focus groups, uh, and, and talk about what, what do people want. And I hope that we will deliver some policy options to the governor uh, that we'll be able to enact in the next couple of years through either legislatively or through executive order or through economic development. So I'm very excited about that and worried about the number of places that don't have grocery stores. Right. And I have a friend who runs a food bank in the Arkansas Delta, and I hear stories. I think people don't fully appreciate that these food banks basically are people's sources of food. (laughs) I mean, like literally, you know, transportation is an issue for many people in rural areas, you know, with access to jobs, et cetera, being also an issue that if these food banks weren't there, people would have a really hard time procuring something to eat every week. And I I don't think people fully appreciate that these aren't places where people go on Christmas because they need a little extra food. Literally every week they go there because they depend on it for groceries. Yes. And one of the things, one of the points you raised uh, by talking about that is in Texas, they had piloted a program for kids in the summer because summer is typically the hungriest time of year for kids. And they had piloted a program with some people we worked with shortly before the pandemic where they delivered shelf-stable meals to children's homes through the mail or through UPS or, or whatever delivery method they chose. And when the pandemic started, the U.S. Department of Agriculture okayed that program for expansion And initially during the pandemic, there were places in Arkansas where we delivered meals to children. Uh, It was something that was very widespread in Alaska. So I think not only when we talk about delivering meals for kids, we have to think about ordering online, uh, which more grocery stores are allowing you to do, but then figuring out types of mobile delivery because a lot of our Kansans don't have access to transportation, and then we've got to get that food delivered. So I'm really excited about the opportunities to discuss these different things that people have done in other parts of the country and see what might fit in Arkansas going forward. Do you think there's any solutions? I mean, you know, Arkansas is an agricultural state. Have have there been any innovative or interesting ideas surrounding just the farmers who are here and doing something more direct to consumer that would just take out the the need for a grocery store? I mean, we have farmers markets in Little Rock, obviously, but anything around around agriculture at all that you've come across? 
Well, we hope that the Department of Agriculture is going to be an advisor to the Food Desert Task Force. And we do have a lot more farmers markets than we used to. And most of those farmers markets take SNAP. Uh, so if you are on, receiving SNAP, which is Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly known as food stamps, you can use those at the farmer's market. But sometimes farmer's markets are still not accessible to low-income families for various reasons. But the farmer's markets and farmers do need to be part of the solution. And it could be through mobile delivery. It could be from a variety of, of ways. Sure. So... Moving forward over the next six months or so for the rest of the year, what are you most optimistic about and what are you most worried about? I'm most optimistic that we have had a lot of conversations with people who are in policymaking places uh, that we hadn't had before. For example, we recently had the first ever statewide summit to talk about college hunger. And we had a number of elected officials there who said, I didn't realize this was a problem. And we were part of a group that talked about a statewide survey that was done that showed that on some of our college campuses, over 30% of the students are struggling with food insecurity. And these surveys showed who those students are and what happens when they just can't make ends meet. And so I'm optimistic that we can have maybe some policies enacted, some laws enacted in the upcoming session of the legislature because of the continuing engagement we have across the state from our college campuses. We had over 30 campuses represented at this hunger summit. Uh, So I'm, I'm optimistic that as things open back up, we're also getting out there and we're doing SNAP outreach in person. That's an important part of the work that we do at the Alliance, uh, helping families sign up for SNAP benefits. And the No Kid Hungry campaign is an important part of our work. Uh, And that would lead me to a less optimistic note, because one of the things that was kind of a silver lining, if there were one during the pandemic, was that we saw our school districts really respond to the challenges that they faced, and they delivered meals to kids. They delivered multiple meals at a time. They ran bus routes. They did all sorts of things to make sure their students got fed. And the reason they were able to do that was partially through grants that we helped provide, but it was because um, the rules were changed during the pandemic. And those rules that were changed, they're called waivers, and those end on June 30th. And so I am worried that because of labor shortages, because of inflation, because of supply chain disruption, that we are going to see more kids in Arkansas have a hungry summer because not everybody is able to go back to pre-pandemic ways of serving and congregate meals. And we know that school districts and summer programs are not going to be able to serve as many meals as they have the last couple of years. So I'm worried for our kids 
uh, in the next six months about the the problems we're going to have this summer. And if if inflation continues, it's possible that we could see more people turning to the Charitable Food Network. I know the Alliance is going to be out there doing everything we can to assist people and signing up for SNAP benefits. But as you mentioned earlier, there's conflicts going on that have an impact on the supply chain and the food, uh, the amount of food that we have. So it's just there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, right now. And there's a lot of uncertainty among schools and providers who are just not sure what the next few months will hold. Sure. I wanted to go back to one more point. You mentioned that the need is still out there, but donations are, are down. I believe that at some point during the pandemic, and this may have existed prior to the pandemic, some you know major corporations based in Arkansas, I won't name any names, donated quite a bit of food to uh, perhaps your program and some of the other food banks. Is there something you would like to communicate? I don't know, you know, what the average person on the street can do right now, business leaders, anything that, you know, you kind of a call to action or what what do you think can be done sort of immediately to, to help? Well, and I think people have been incredibly generous. Individuals have been generous. Businesses have been generous. And our school districts and our other providers have worked day and night to make sure people who needed food got the food. But I think there's something that everybody can do, and that is to, you know, volunteer at a local food pantry or a food bank. Uh, They can help the Alliance do SNAP outreach, or we run a gleaning program where we Uh, have gardens in different parts of the state and we also collect food that's left in the fields that's perfectly good food and we get that out very quickly so people can volunteer especially you know if if they're unable to give dollars uh, their time is equally valuable and we also want to make sure that people talk to their elected officials and find out what their positions are on hunger issues And hopefully they're willing to contact elected officials and ask them those questions as we work to try to make permanent in some upcoming legislation some of the waivers that we had during the pandemic that helped us feed more kids and more families by not requiring some of the things that are just kind of outdated. Right. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Kathy Webb is the CEO of the Arkansas Hunger Relief Alliance, and we'll look forward to talking to you again, hopefully in a few months, to see how things are going. Thank you very much for raising this topic. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you for your time. Nearly half a million people, including almost 150,000 children, face hunger in Arkansas, according to the latest data from the nonprofit Feeding America. That translates into about one in five Arkansans who may not have access to enough food. Thanks for listening to Capital and Scott. We'll see you next time.